Welcome to this bonus edition of Revenue Riser. I'm your host, Anna Britnor-Guest, and I'm joined by Pia Lee and Dan Hammond, co-founders of Squadify. I originally set up this conversation to support a client's leadership development program, but in the planning, we realized there was so much rich and useful data, it would be a shame not to share it with everyone looking to develop their leadership and their team effectiveness. Now, you don't need to be using Squadify to recognize the team challenges and opportunities reflected in the platform's data, nor to see what successful teams are focusing on and to see what you can replicate in your business. But for those that are using Squadify, this provides an objective and subjective view of the team, which leads to a real richness of conversation, a call to action, and a way of building trust and shared accountability that create and embed the conditions for success. So either way, join me now as we learn from Dan and Pia what their data is telling us in how to build teams that deliver collectively on organizational goals in fast moving and challenging times. Dan, Pia, thank you so much for spending some time talking about your experiences and what you're seeing in terms of what makes effective teams. Dan, let me start with a question for you. We talk about teams, but what's really changed or changing and why is it so important that we focus on teams these days? We're really seeing this very strongly, Anna. I think there's been a lot of talk sort of um people theorizing for a long time about the complexity that we're living in now you know uh, uh, particularly with with technology rising the speed of business is accelerating probably don't need to tell your listeners this but you know everything's getting faster but it's also getting more complex as in there are multiple viewpoints to take on board multiple stakeholders multiple factors and we don't actually always know what the reaction to our actions is going to be but the only way in which you can handle this amount of complexity is through a group of people to bring diversity to solve the problem and so we see that in the future, teams will be the true value, uh, deliver of value in organizations. There's been a huge focus on individuals. You hear people talking about talent and high potentials and so on. We see a shift to actually being all about teams and how they can deliver value because there's a sort of urgent strategic necessity for that to happen. And I'd probably add to that, which is um, teams think they're teams, but they're not really. They're more like groups of individuals. So I think what's also happened is the importance and actually what's what's actually involved in teamwork is probably more sophisticated than we might have anticipated. It's not a case, not a sum of those individual parts. There's got to be relational dynamics. There's got to be common goals, common ways of working. And that support, which, you know, particularly during the pandemic, people were isolated. So they were working in their individual bedrooms separated from one another and and there there could have easily been you know a, a way of working which just did not did not um, bring about the best of what that team could 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 create so I think that's yeah, it's it's a shift that we're seeing see it's almost like lifting the dust sheet off off teams and and getting the dust off and really reinventing it but as Dan said that's the only way that we can really really solve some of these complex and knotty problems that we've got today. Yeah, it's it's funny, and you know, we've um I heard a someone define teams as being three things. One is more than one person, that makes sense. Two, um, they have a common goal. 
And three, they have interdependency in delivering that goal. And I really like that definition because mm. groups of teams sort of fall down on one of those. Generally, it is more than one person. I don't, I've never heard anyone say, yes, I'm a team. But very quickly, you've got this question of, do you actually have a shared goal? And then actually, are we interdependent in solving it? As Piers said, that it quickly reveals the sort of complexity of, uh, of actually working in a team, not just collaborating in a group on a more one-to-one basis. I think that really raises that question of what team am I in? Because people are in a team functionally and they have a shared goal, hopefully. And we'll talk maybe a bit about clarity of goal in a moment. Mm -hmm. But actually they work increasingly cross-functionally. And there are teams of teams and a number of individuals from different teams who need to collaborate to work together to achieve a common goal, but they're coming at it from different functions and different perspectives. And that adds another layer of complexity to all of this, doesn't it? It does. It does. I, I think now our life in, in the world, actually, certainly in organisations, is to be very deliberate about what team am I working in now? As You're absolutely right, Anna. And actually, you know, when we use Squadify, that's interesting. One of the first benefits that people receive is, oh, it's this team, right? I, I, you're talking about, and sometimes it's sort of, oh, I had no idea I was in that team. Oh, yeah, no, actually, I suppose I am. So, um, you know, that first piece, but we have to be very deliberate about, right, I am now in the team with my direct reports. I'm in the team with my um, with my peers and my boss. I'm in a cross-functional team, but it's actually been very almost visual about, right, that's the group of people I'm talking about, talking, working with now and, and being very, um, yeah, very, very careful to, to act in the required way. And then to, to ensure that in that group, you have the specific conditions for that group to succeed and really to keep an eye on that, not to be sort of generic about, oh, this, this is how things are done. This is how to do things best, but actually say, what does this specific group of people, this team need in order to succeed and create those conditions specifically for those people? So where would you start? And from, from the data that you're seeing, what are some of the key areas that those teams should really be focusing in on here? Maybe i am make a start here. So we, we've looked at the hundreds of teams that have been operating Squadify during these last two years of the pandemic. And so they form an interesting data set because um, they've been able to utilize the data analytics to get to, to increase their performance. So they're able to see where the gaps are, they're able to see about and not only track their performance, but make the choices about what they need to focus on for the next quarter. So over that period of time, we've seen, interestingly enough, what are the important scores? And what are the present scores that have increased? So from an importance perspective, it's both the being and the doing. And it's this balance. So the pressures come on where we've got virtualized or hybrid working. And the way the team is effective, the processes have all become more important. So it's it's really then having to dial that up, how, how work is allocated, decision-making processes, how they're meeting. They're, they're really important, the nuts and bolts of team management and agreement. But then what also has been interesting, teams that have been doing Squadify during this period of time have really rated how they coach each other uh, and support one another, as well as how happy they are at work, how important that is. So there's a real being component to that. So, you know, the opposite, when we first started the pandemic, we saw that the results really squished down to 
transactional and task and no no view at all on people or strategic. And that's when we're really under pressure. We just become quite myopic. Whereas I think those important elements then show how we've got a much more broader view of it. And, and I think Anna, there's so many conditions there that Piers talking about. I think that the what we've seen is so often the place to really start with the team is clarity. I mean, you know, we, we talk about conditions, we talk about teams having three overall conditions for success, as you know, so clarity, climate and competence. So clarity is all about why we're doing what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve, how we're going to get there, who's going to do what, all that stuff. Climate is about the environment that the team exists in, both the hard stuff, as Pierre said, the processes, um, the systems, the resources, and then the soft stuff, the culture and the stakeholder relationships. And then finally, competence, which is the skills and the behaviours of the, of the team. And so of all of those, in answer to your question about the place to start, you know, Pierce said that there's, that there's a lot going on here. Start with clarity. There's so much research to show that, you know, if you say to people, are you clear on your goal? They all say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you actually get them to write their goal down. Even at top team level, there's a piece of research that said that nine out of 10 top teams don't have a shared goal. That's quite rather shocking, really. But if you think about your own team, or if you've run that exercise in your own team, it's amazing how... There's a little bit of divergence, you know, at, le- at the very least. We've got this idea of where we're going, but do we really know crisply where, where we're going? And it can, if we don't, it can cause some problems down the line in those other conditions of climate and competence for sure. So that, that's a really good place to start. And then I would add to that then is what, what are the present scores been of those teams that have been operating uh, their squadifiers during this period of time? And the biggest gap, so this is between you're answering the questions around what's important and what's present. And the biggest gap is in the team measures of success. So not because the question asks about the squad. So to Dan's point, you know, how are we measuring our team goals? And that's the biggest, biggest gap that is occurring there. And then in that has had a knock-on effect, increased a, a gap around whether we think the goal is achievable or not. So that's really interesting because it, it shows that we need to re-review this about what's our collective goal, what how do we collectively work together to achieve it? And then, you know, does that raise our degree of, of confidence whilst we are um, you know, facing adverse situations and challenges? So I think that's um that gives us insight there to what to focus on. I think there's a really interesting angle to that because we can talk about getting clear on the goal. And I think you have you know, I love that example, Dan, of well, I don't love it, but the example of you know, everybody has a slightly different perspective, even though we think we're all clear on the goal. But no matter how clear you are, if you don't actually have those shared measures of success then you haven't really got a shared goal because you're not really quite sure what those milestones and measures are. But I think you know, that's also quite challenging for teams, when they're, particularly when they're working cross-functionally. They're measured in different ways. They've got different measures of success team-wise, but also we're living in times where things are quite fluid and teams need to adapt and pivot and change course, at least, at, least in a ta- at a tactical so micro level, even if not at a, a macro organizational level on quite a regular basis. So I think you know, there's some interesting considerations there for teams in how do they how do they maneuver through that when actually those measures of success might be quite different or changing as they go through. 
Pierre, I don't know if you want to add a little more to that. Well, I would only add to it that the question in Squadify around the customer goals become really critical. So, I mean, what are you here to do as a team? Yes, we have individual roles in that, but how does it serve the customer and what's their goals? And how how do we do that collectively? And, and again, I think that, that then calls on a different type of conversation about how we bring our, our collective wisdom to that, but also how we ensure that the experience that the customer has is a good and positive one, that they don't feel as though they're, they're being underserved or overserved in, in just trying to achieve individual goals. So I think their experience becomes really important too. Mm. And, and uh, it's, um, your, your point is really well made. It's it, looking at the data, you know, if you, if you uh, across Squadify, across the data set, your know, clear goal is ranked as seventh across all teams. So people generally, that's pretty high. That's the sort of high presence score for, for that. But if you look, if you start to sharpen your pencil on, on, clarity so if you then say what's a, do you have a clear plan to achieve a goal that's at 19th position so that's the 19th most present condition and there are only 37 so this is time to get down there if you then go to that next level of do you have short-term priorities to achieve that long-term goal that is at 28th in the in the ranking in terms of presence so teams out there do not have that as a strong condition on average of course some teams will what does that mean, though? If you think about a, a, that dynamic, fast-moving, changing, pivoting environment, if you don't have short-term priorities to achieve your goal, you're probably off track most of the time. So so really, that point about clarity is really worth teams and team leaders just being very present about and, and any time spent on that is going to be well is going to be well spent because getting people at that all of those levels from the why, the what, to the goal, the measurement, but down to do I know exactly what I have to do today in order to achieve that goal is is going to be is, is really essential and it's lacking in most teams. That's a really interesting uh, piece of data that you've got there. And I'm wondering as you talk about where things rank, something else that mm-hmm. tends to rank pretty low is having enough resources to get the job done. Yes, um, and certainly that's something that most teams, I think, feel some pain around. Can you can you link those and, and talk a little sure. bit about how that how that plays out, but also what teams need to be thinking about to try and change some of that too? Sure. I mean, I, I do think there's a connect. We do see a connection there, and our experience of doing it is, is that you know, um, Anna, you're 100 right. Across the Squadify data set, resources to get the job done, as we call it, is is the lowest present condition for presence. I love that little question, though, because it's got resources to get the job done. There are almost two parts of that. The question we would ask is, what is the job? It's not sort of give me more money or give me more people. We would love that. In reality, that happens, and then you, more is expected of you. So I think it's, you're chasing you're chasing your tail a little bit there. This is the second part of that question that's essential, which is what is the job? And it comes back to clarity. We say look left to clarity, which is do you really know what that job is all the way from the top? What are you trying to achieve? Is that clearly measured? Do you know how you're going to get there? And have you got short-term priorities to achieve that goal? And as soon as you start to work on that, you start to decide what you're not going to do. And that, and because often the the resources are very spread very thinly, like butter on a on a piece of toast. And you know, if you can really sort of 
just get very clear on what you are going to do and what you're not going to do, then those resources will be sort of applied to the point of effort and you will improve things. Not to say those resources, you'll be in that glorious sunlit uplands of, oh, we've got plenty of resources now, but you can really make have some, make, have some practical impact on that in our experience um, on that resource question. I think that's being more resourceful and proactive. It's also seeing the holistic view of what Squadify is. They're not individual siloed conditions. They're all interrelated. So quite often, if you're looking at a lower score in one, you'll find that there is another condition or another part that actually directly impacts that. And I think sometimes with, you know, we're under a lot of pressure, we're trying to deliver. I don't think anyone actually feels that they have the full set of resources um, to get the job done. But it shifts the mindset from feeling that things are done to us as a team to what can we control. So it brings that that area, that focus of control that we can make a difference, which tends to sit much more within clarity um, and being able to go, well, how do we prioritize? How do we actually choose things we're not going to do and how important that is with our time? We all run off the same 24-hour clock. We're never going to change that. But how we make those choices are absolutely critical. That point around, you know, what are we not going to do is so key. And I think when teams are, particularly when teams are working cross-functionally, there's always a little bit of a conflict in a way between what are my goals and what am I being measured on and so on versus the people that I'm working with to achieve our shared goal. But we've all got multiple priorities, um, which in itself is a bit of a challenge. But which of these priorities is more important? Which ones do we need to put on the back burner, which actually have changed and we shouldn't be doing? And that's quite a hard conversation, particularly if functionally you're being driven in slightly different directions and measured functionally in different ways. Do you have some thoughts in terms of what the data is telling you or from your experience, how teams can, Mm. can try and align some of that? It's a really good point, Anna. And honestly, there's no simple solution to this. But I, I do think that we we do see that while we've had a big shift over the last 20 years to a matrix structure, you know, in reality, we see that people have been trying to sort of command and control the matrix, you know, sort of, right. And I've had these conversations, which is, oh, well, I have a dotted line to this person, a solid line to that person. And then so another player, can, oh, well, I've got two solid, a really solid line, a thick line to that, you know, it's sort of, oh my goodness, it's basically command and controlling the matrix. There is a need to to actually put primacy in the team to say, put the, you know, have an overall goal for an organization, but let the teams really have this conversation about what matters most in their work and have them sort of make those small driving decisions to say, we've got a goal, we're going to, that's aligned to the organizational goal. This is what's going to matter. The functional, those, those solid lines, they're important, but they, they do drop out, drop down in the mix a little bit so that the team actually can really decide on these things. It's not to say the functions aren't important. Of course they are, but you, there's a, if you look at a team of team structure rather than a functional structure, you've really got the, the the teams making those decisions, communicating with each other, all within an overall roadmap for the organization. So, but yeah, I think that's the thing. So slightly breaking those bonds a little bit, but at the same time, like all of these things in leadership and, and in work is recognizing there is a tension there. But 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 really, as much as possible, giving the teams the ability to set their own paths within that uh, overall structure. And I think that's what has changed and is about to 
change. It's it's almost like the accountability and the autonomy has been democratized across the teams. And whereas it used to be the team leader making a lot of decisions and having a higher input of control, um, certainly these last 18 months have turned that on its head. And it and it is, as I talked about it before, that, that collective effort. It, it's really now simply putting the power of teamwork back into the hands of the team. And to do that, you've got to be able to have the right conversations, make the right priorities, be accountable for yours and others' behaviour, and work together to maximise all your strengths and cover your areas of weakness as a team. That sounds simple, but I don't think think it's become as important as it has as a result of the last 18 months. And because we haven't had all those spontaneous communication points, but we've had to make it much more sort of forced and deliberate by communicating through, you know, virtual platforms. You know, we've had to really work on this. And I think that's really, that that's become incredibly important. And, you know, I build on that and say, you know, this is called, in many respects, that psych safety, like what's our level of sophistication around the types of conversations that we have with one another you know it's it's not a sort of come by our and uh and join hands moment you know it, it actually is how comfortable are we about having the uncomfortable conversations and how do we do that in a way that doesn't make anybody feel as though there's going to be any retribution or lack of respect for the input um, and we stand the greatest chance of co-creating new innovative solutions and we're doing it in a way that adds to the value of the team, doesn't dilute. And I'll just pick up on that point from Pia, which is so important about psychological safety. You know, this is there's been a lot of talk of this recently, but I was really sort of surprised actually by where this where this idea came from. And um, the base research was a, a surprise discovery that uh, in hospital, these certain types of teams, the highest performing teams made the most mistakes. And it's a really surprising outcome that uh, Dr. Jess Tonneson shared with us recently. And you sort of think, what is that? Well, actually, it's not that they make more mistakes. They talk about their mistakes. And it really goes to the heart of this point of psychological safety will, is, 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 is not an option. It's not just a nice to have or just a nice to be nice. It really is essential for, for performance because in this crazy world we talked about at the start you're doing new things you're going to make mistakes you need the essence of the team is going to be about learning so if you and if you don't share the things that have gone well and not gone so well you're, you're not going to be able to learn so psychological safety is is that is so important and just as pia said this is not about just being nice and being nice happy environment it is and being comfortable it's actually about creating an environment where you can move into discomfort. You can have tricky conversations. You can say, oh, I stuffed up there. That is an essential ingredient for performance in this in this world. So it's a, nice, it's a seemingly soft thing, but it has hard business outputs. The teams that during these last 18 months have been using Squadify have got higher presence scores in straight talking without fence and safe place to share ideas. And that's because they're creating that safety net 
for the team to be able to have the robust type of conversations, um, to be able to problem solve, um, to face you know unexpected challenges and adverse situations, but for the team to really be able to have those conversations in a way that they're going to get breakthrough moments. They're not, they're not going to feel like, <laughs> they're not going to feel hurt by the conversations or feel that it, that higher intent is only about getting the best outcome from everybody in the team. But there is a high level of respect, even though some of those conversations may feel uncomfortable at times. And that's mm-hmm. that's quite a fine line to walk. That takes a higher level of sophistication. And every team is going to be slightly different. But if you don't have that conversation, then you make assumptions, and then you're very likely to be treading on somebody's toes because you haven't mm-hmm. had the conversation. Being really practical, how, how do you start to build psychological safety if you're a team leader? Um, it seems like very... It's not a nebulous idea. The tone is going to start with you. So it's a really good start to, if you're a team leader or in a team as much as you can to lead the way, say, I don't know how to do this. I made a mistake here. I didn't do this quite as well as I could. A colleague of ours uses this phrase, mm, I didn't cover myself in glory there, which is a lovely way of sort of saying mm, in that in that presentation or that meeting or whatever, mm, that wasn't great. And it opens the door to saying in a really nice, gentle way, yeah, okay, what can we learn from that? What can we do differently next time? So, But it is a really important thing that the team leader leads with this. They don't just expect others to share these, these things without them sort of starting Starting, starting the process. There's very much a, a two-way contract here as well, isn't there, between teams? Because I know in, you know in Squadify, when we look at things like straight talking without offence, it's about allowing people to say something like that, but then not to be shot down in flames for saying it. Yes. <laughs> so it's a two-way street, isn't it, that we've got to be able to say things and know that others in our team are going to have our back. That's very true. It's another and one of those. And that takes the building, doesn't it? <laughs> it's very true. It's another one of those that has those two parts. It's um, you know, straight talking without offence, and it's as you say, it's a team question. It's not just do the individuals talk straight in the team. Can people talk straight, and that that is not taken with offence? You're playing the playing the ball, not the person, if you like. What you said there is is is, is essential, Anna. Just building on that, and and then perhaps thinking about how we might pull some of pull some of that together. I think that that conversation needs to be something that the team leader can lead, but really understanding as a team, what is it that we're trying to do? It comes back to, Dan, you were talking about what, what job do we need to get done? And Pierre, you were talking about, you know, what's the goal, but what are the measures of success and so on? And I think you know, that accountability, that if everybody is aligned to that, then that helps you to have those more uncomfortable conversations because it comes back around to, well, why are we having this conversation and what is it that we're trying to achieve? And that helps to, to to your expression, which I really like around playing the ball, not, not the person, but really thinking about what are we actually trying to achieve here and what's the yes. right thing to do in order to achieve that? And yeah. therefore, how do we all kind of willingly fall, fall in with each other to try and do that and Absolutely. hold that accountability? And I love that expression of you know, being comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations <laughs> as opposed to we're a lovely team and we all get on and we're all happy, which is important. But part of it is about we can have the difficult conversations and we can move on and we can succeed and achieve things together rather than feel that, you know, maybe our idea has been rejected or, you know, feel that we're not part of it because we're not going my way. 
for instance. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, it, it just sparks another thought for me, Anna, that about clarity that, you know, we talked earlier on about, you know, more than one person, of course, a shared goal. If we pause for a minute on that one, sometimes teams do have, they have individual goals that add up to a goal. And that's not quite the same. I was thinking about this earlier, watching Bake Off at the moment. Are you saying to the team, bake a cake? Or are you saying to them, each of you bake a muffin? And, you know, it's 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 different. It's going to, you can imagine it would drive a different behavior to say you together make this cake and then suddenly you've got those interactions interdependency you're going to be talking to each other but if you say go off into your corners and just make your own little muffin you know the sort of amount of cake produced at the end might be the same but actually the the way it's done is going to be totally different um hope you forgive my sort of tv reference sort of really sort of resonated for me as i thought about it that 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 clarity is shared clarity in a team. It's not just handing out goals to individuals. It's really making sure that top end of town, the first thing you do is say, this is what we are going to do together. And uh, and I think that's a really good place to start. And as Peter said, get that really clear, get the measures of success, and then make sure that you start to organize your short-term priorities to achieve that goal. That permeates into not just teams and tasks trying to get things done, but right back into how people's objectives are set for the year. So in appraisal systems or MBOs or or KPIs, you know, what what is it that each individual is being asked to do? And how do those, how are those collective as opposed to purely individual? Um, So I think, you know, there's quite a bit in terms of thinking about what are the objectives that we're setting overall and having a more team focused aspect to that so that you know to your point Dan it's not everybody's got their individual objective to go and make a cake and then we end up with a bunch of cakes but actually you know what what does collective success look like um in here and I know we we talked about this when I was a guest on your uh, we not me podcast recently and you know sales teams having individual targets that add up to a team yes. target but they're not it's not really a team target mm-hmm. and and how we might get better results by thinking about some of those elements too. So I think there's a lot there for for teams to think about because back to something, Pia, you said right at the beginning around the structure and the processes are so critical here and having the structure and the processes for defining what are our, our objectives at an individual, a team, functional company level is so critical and getting that right sets the course, doesn't it, for everything else. It, it does. And of course, it presents, to, to your point, Anna, you're asking earlier about um, those functional sort of drivers of teams and how you balance objectives. It requires organizations to really, to, to be able to take a cross-functional team and say, you have an objective that then is sort of pushed back out to your managers and so on. So to sort of say, actually, you have a shared objective, a shared outcome for this team. And that 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 takes a, that takes a shift, but it would really... You're absolutely right. If you can build those team objectives, those collaborative objectives, you're going to. It's going to drive different behaviours and different approaches, um, and that's that can only be positive in this um, sort of fast-moving world. The last, you know, thirty years or so, we've had a huge focus on individual leaders and developing individual leaders' development, and that that has created an individualism, but it's actually it's underworked a muscle that is now needed. So I think that there's a real resurgence of teamwork and actually leading teams. So, you know, you look at organisations and ones that Dan and I have worked with, they've singled out 
leaders to go on a program, but not actually included their teams as part of the development. They've been somehow separate. Whereas I think now, given that the body of work is within the team itself, that's turned it on its head. So I think leadership has changed, teamwork has changed, and it will now become you know, a need for more sophisticated type of conversations and using data to be able to chart your progress because in this fast-moving world, things will change every 90 days. So you need to be able to have that and then to be able to have the rich conversation to be able to collectively choose what you're going to work on. That's going to create a completely different culture and performance culture inside an organization. Very exciting. Absolutely. Well, I think that we can't really top, Pia. I think you've just summarized the future of leadership with all its challenges, all its opportunities. And I think you know, opportunities there certainly outweigh the challenges in terms of if if as a leadership you can build that kind of team environment then to uh, to use a tagline that uh, we see often in Squadify that's you know that's where you really create those rock star teams that are far more than the sum of their parts so Pia Dan thank you so much for sharing your insights your experiences there's so much there to think about and digest and to come back to and for teams to really dig into within their own Squadify surveys within their teams to think about what are the stepping stones to building that kind of environment. So thank you both very much. Oh, thank you, Anna. Thanks for having us. A lot to take on there. I was particularly struck by two things. One, the data about changing team dynamics as we've adjusted to the world that we're in today. What successful teams are really homing in on. And second, no surprise, the importance of shared clarity and interdependence of goals that provides the higher purpose for those difficult conversations to help teams really build that trust and psychological safety. Thank you once again to my guests, Dan Hammond and Pia Lee. If you have any questions about your team, then please send them over to me. Um, And if you'd like to learn more about how the Squadify tool can help your team to get clarity and increase performance, then head over to revenueriser.com forward slash Squadify. Meantime, thank you for listening in on our bonus episode. We're working on season three and I'll look forward to seeing you there.